Welcome to yet another episode of Shortcast Over Coffee. Today, my guest is stand-up comedian GK. He's not just a stand-up comedian though. He's a full-time engineer and a part-time theater artist and a movie maker based out of the Bay Area in California. In this episode, I will talk to him about his journey to stand-up comedy and his recent venture, Building 18 Comedy Club, where GK, along with other co-founders, offer a great platform for budding comics. So without further ado, let's get right into it. Hi, GK. Welcome to the podcast. Hey, hello, Bala. Thank you very much for having me. I'm super excited uh, talking to you today. Yeah, uh, I have to uh, tell our listeners the story of how I met GK. <laughs> so uh, I know of GK from Ravi Ashwin's YouTube channel. Uh, it was IPL, I think, 2022 or 2021. Uh, can't remember which one. But uh, GK was a guest on Ashwin's one of Ashwin's shows. And uh, he he completely rocked it. Um, and, and the show was in Tamil. And I was like, wow, where, where is this guy based out of? And then... I run into GK in my own office building one fine day and I'm like oh I watched you um on on the YouTube channel and then I said hello so uh quite uh, quite a coincidence um so GK uh let's get this out of the way um, let's talk about your upcoming shows uh what have you uh what do you have for uh, for your fans in Texas Uh, fans i'm not sure i can call them fans yet but uh, yeah we we've, we've been doing uh, touring with our uh, tamil stand up comedy show called gandhi kanak it is a 2 hour uh, clean family friendly tamil stand up comedy uh, myself and uh, my friend anant uh, we perform an hour each and then we typically have somebody open the show for about 10 15 minutes so it's about 2 hour 2 hours 15 minutes uh, stand up comedy show Uh, we've done 14 shows so far across the us uh, and then we have three more shows coming up uh, end of september in austin houston and san antonio uh, and then we have a couple of other shows in um, boston and potentially new york and a few other cities later this year okay so this is all in 2023 yes yeah okay awesome so gk coming back to your story uh, i know it's it's been a typical uh, undergraduate engineering grad school life in the us and then uh, so on and so forth so when did you when did you realize that you have this uh, uncanny knack of uh, cracking jokes and potential as a stand up comedian um so i've i've always been uh, involved in theater for a quite a long time like Uh, i haven't done much in india but uh, when i came over to the us for my uh, masters in 2004 uh, i started writing short tamil uh, plays and uh, started performing for uh, diwali and new year and things like that so as part of the indian student association in the grad school so i used to perform short skits uh, and that was the first time i was actually writing something on my own so 2004 is probably the first time i have some wrote uh, written something end to end and that worked really well uh, the the response was great and uh, that's when i thought maybe i should do more of this so we we were a bunch of friends we were all interested in writing being on stage and acting and all that so it started off like that um and then when i moved to the bay area in 2007 that's when i started uh, taking theater a little more seriously so graduated from kind of the skit zone into proper theater uh, so i i auditioned here with a couple of groups and um, i i got to play small characters on stage uh, and then uh, while going for the rehearsals i would sit with them talk to them about the script maybe offer some suggestions whether they take it or not if if i can think of something some jokes here and there in the script i i would just uh, go talk to the writer director and and slowly i started getting involved with multiple groups in the bay area and 2008 i, I was on stage for probably 8 or 10 shows in that one year uh, across multiple different groups in the bay area so 2008 was a really busy year and and after that i i really wanted to be out stand in front of people perform and that applause and all that was very addictive right so um, so it started off from there then i was in theater uh, for a few years 
and then 2009-10 all the way till 15-16 uh, I was part of multiple theater groups uh, writing directing in some cases and then acting a lot as well and all these were primarily comedy plays uh, and my contribution was also primarily comedy dialogues and maybe comedy scripts and things like that um, and then uh, I also got involved in Nalaya Eyakunar. It was a, a reality show for uh, budding directors. Um, so they, they go through a competition where every round they make a short film and then you progress uh, through multiple rounds. And then so uh, our team, so I worked with another director from the Bay Area. Uh, his name is Maniram. Uh, we reached the finals uh, of that show, uh, reality show, but we we lost the finals. But it was a good experience working on about six, seven short films with him. Uh, so from theater, graduated to short films. And then in 2019, uh, that's when Tamil stand-up was picking up uh, quite a bit. And then we had comedians from India touring the U.S., um, and then Karthik Kumar from Avam Stand-Up Tamasha, he was here for uh, one of his shows. And after the show, I just casually went and met him. And uh, I was talking to him about my interest in comedy and how I wanted to explore stand-up. But obviously, being here in the US, there was no uh, proper avenues to do Tamil stand-up. Uh, like, you can go to a comedy club here or a bar, and then you, you are going to perform in English. And the people that are going to perform with you, the audience that are going to watch you are all probably going to be non-Indians mostly. Uh, but I wanted to tell stories that I uh, grew up, uh, the, the kind of stories that I had, and I wanted to tell those stories in Tamil. Uh, and then Karthi Kumar said, why don't you start something on your own? Uh, but I, I had no thoughts of doing something like that. Uh, but I think that moment when he said that that's that's when that spark probably went off and i thought maybe we should uh, give it a shot and mm -hmm. that's how i got um, uh, a little more serious into stand-up comedy yeah yeah just to just to give some context uh the the competition that gk is referring to was eventually won by karthik subaraj who is now a lead director in uh in tamil cinema uh has done some great work um so I mean, coming back to scripting, right? I mean, scripting for a for a stand-up comedy is entirely different from uh, scripting for uh, a play or uh, or a short film. Um, I, I mean, I have done some really small short films in college uh, as well. And what I what I understand is uh, scripting for plays is way more difficult than uh, scripting for stand-up do you do you feel so or uh, do you have a different opinion yeah that, that's probably right because when when you script for a play you have multiple characters uh, you need a character arc you need story arcs uh, you have logical uh, you cannot have logical holes there should be a logical flow to everything and and things like that right but uh, stand-up is um, I, maybe i shouldn't say easier but i it, it is probably easier uh, because you don't need connection between jokes. Like there are different styles in stand-up comedy. Uh, and uh, I think stand-up is probably much easier. And also in terms of execution, it's it's just um, a comic is on his own or uh, they can just write whenever they want to. They can just rehearse whenever they want to. And it's it's there is no dependency on people. And it's, it's much easier to pull off as well. Uh, like a play, you will have to coordinate with a huge group of people, uh, scheduled rehearsals and all that. So uh, that way, I think, yes, stand-up is probably easier to write and also easier to execute. Yeah, yeah. And and when we watch movies, right, there is, uh, there is a credit for story or maybe a story idea. And then there is screenplay, which is equivalent to script, right? Uh, so I feel like it's it's something similar to um, to an idea versus doing a startup, right? where yeah. everyone has ideas uh, everyone has a story but writing it scene by scene uh, is is extremely difficult so uh, i mean i think these days there are lots of courses for uh, screenplay writing um, but when you started did you have any any background or did you just write it um, how was that process like yeah i i did not have background when i started it, it was just pure uh, excitement, passion, and there, there was no formal training as such when I started. But after that, in 2010, 
Uh, I didn't enroll for a filmmaking course in Dianza College here in Cupertino. Uh, so I did I did part-time filmmaking course for about a year, year and a half. So, so what do they teach? Um, like direction, lighting, editing, sound mixing, screenplay writing, uh, pretty much everything, all, all departments of filmmaking. So it's like one course every three months. And it, it was cheap. It was probably $150 or something for a course. Uh, and then I did a few of them. So uh, I did enroll, made some student projects, student short films, and worked with a bunch of people there. Um, but yeah, I, it, it doesn't directly help with my stand-up, I would say now, but um, I, I just wanted to go learn it formally just for fun. Uh, I, I, I'm, I'm passionate about movies and writing, so I just wanted to learn it as well. So so did you, uh, do you see an, do you see a difference in uh, your writing skills after the course? Uh, uh, you just mentioned that, you know, it did not quite help you in your stand-up, yeah, but... Uh, it, 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 they, they do teach you a lot of uh, uh, theoretical ways of approaching script writing and all that, but I don't think you can use those templates or formulas to write uh, because creative writing is something that just happens naturally, right? You cannot... You cannot plug in formulas and uh, write according to a template. They they do teach you a lot of templates to write. Uh, there are uh, hooks that you can use to make your writing easier. They do teach all of that. But uh, I think it is easier when you just write whatever comes to your mind first and then probably go back and plug in those templates or hooks and see whether your writing conforms to some of the grammar that they teach you in film school. Uh, I, I don't think you can use that and write, or maybe it didn't work for me. Uh, but after I write, I have gone back and, and tried to see if it does fit in. It might not always fit in the template, but yeah, the, there is something that you, if you want, you can refer back to. Uh, mm. Yeah, I feel like uh, the, the theater and movie making here in the US is uh, very different from what it is in India. I feel like yeah, yeah. this is so much more methodical, right? They do a lot of rehearsal and uh, they do improvisation during the rehearsal and then they are sort of uh, fully cooked by the time they shoot. Oh, yeah. And uh, this is something that I've heard from uh, directors and actors from the, especially from the 90s, uh, which I I think was the golden period of comedy or 90s and early 2000s in, in, in at least South Indian cinema, uh, probably Hindi cinema as well. Uh, and a lot of people have agreed to do a film without even a bound script. You know, they will just uh, look at the name of the director, look at the name of the producer, and they'll just agree. And the screenplay writer would be on set and he will write scenes and pass on the paper. And uh, they would just shoot. And I feel like some of the best co uh, comedy movies have come through that procedure. So uh, I don't know. Maybe it's just that the uh, it's it's probably a cultural difference, right? Uh, right. Too much of uh, method can sometimes uh, ruin uh, right. improvisation. So, so and and also especially for comedy, I think it it is always nice to have a team of writers instead of writing alone. Uh, especially for comedy, I've I've felt that through my writing experience for theater, short films, and even now for stand up. Uh, uh, as as a single person, you can just stay, sit inside a room, look uh, you, just between you and your laptop, you can come up with something. But then when you brainstorm it with a group of people who are like-minded, who have the same taste in comedy as you, I think that really, really helps. Because um, yeah, you, you, you yeah. bounce off ideas big time. And then when somebody says something that triggers a lot of other jokes in you. So comedy, especially, I think it really helps if you write it as a group. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Especially uh, in in Malayalam cinema, the, there is this uh, director duo called Siddiq Lal, yeah, and yeah. they they have done some incredible work. And uh, in almost all of their interviews, they say that the camaraderie that they share, uh, like you said, you know, working with a group works the best for comedy, uh, bouncing off of each other. And uh, there is this term called counter, where uh, yeah. you see you say something and then someone uh, says something on top of it, um, and and a lot of the times they get a lot of they get some criticism in the sense that hey do you work always within your comfort zone you always have these set of actors but i feel like they just know each other so well that uh, they they love that creative space right uh, yeah. uh, ha have you found that as well while working with other people in they, yeah, yeah. friendships uh, just develop good comedy yes. 
yes i've i've uh, so i'm i am an introvert uh, i am one till date so i generally take a long time to open up to people to form new friends and all that so but uh, definitely this theater and stand up comedy journey has has connected me to a lot of people here in the bay area and throughout the country uh, as well which i am sure i wouldn't have otherwise gotten those relationships right and and i've also seen that when i start working on a material or when a friend starts working on a material when we bounce off ideas when we brainstorm on those it it grows leaps and bounds the the number of jokes uh, that gets added to the material like exponentially grows so when we actually started this what we used to do is we used to do these early morning um, like jamming sessions we call it joke jamming uh just like music jamming right like saturday morning 6 o'clock uh, a bunch of us would just meet randomly uh in in one of our uh, houses just grab coffee and bagels and starting 6:30 till 9:30 in the morning before rest of the family wakes up we are like done with 2 3 hours of jamming so everybody brings in a topic that they want to write about um for their next stand up material and then everybody else just brainstorms and contributes jokes uh, so we we've done we don't do that anymore because it's it's very difficult to scale and just sustain do that continuously but we we tried doing something like that and even now if somebody comes up with a material or if i come up with a premise that i want to write a stand up comedy set on i i bounce it off of some of my close friends and uh Uh, they are all part of the stand up uh, group uh, so and and also when when you do these jamming sessions right uh, you understand the personality of the comic that's coming up with that particular content so for example if uh, i am coming up with a topic my friends would know what is my style of jokes or my style of delivery so they start thinking like me and when i contribute jokes to one of my other friends i typically note what zone they are in or how is their delivery and then you start thinking for them like them which which is all very interesting uh, okay so it's been around uh, i would say uh, 11 12 years since you seriously started to take up comedy is that a yeah 2007 is when i moved to the bay area and since okay. then i've been part of a lot of groups here in the bay area yeah uh, but stand up comedy from 2019 but in general comedy in theater and short films since 2007 right 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 now i mean the reason why i asked you this was uh to to just go into the mind of a writer right um you know 13 years or whatever is is a long time and uh, has it ever happened that uh again you know i have heard this from a few directors is that you know they have they do their best in their first movie and the reason why i say that is uh like for instance gautam menon right minale and uh, and the movies there after kaka kaka so what i've heard is you know they have this wealth of experience that they have they they have trained for over several years mm-hmm. and then they bring out that in the first let's say two three movies and then they sort of hit a plateau has that ever happened to you as a writer that uh you hit a ceiling and you just don't know where to go next that happens actually all the time not just the first couple of materials uh and and for uh, for me especially when i started writing stand up comedy writing stand up comedy was very new so I, i didn't know how to write what was the template for comedy and all that just wrote something and we did a couple of shows and then uh, i posted that video online and then uh, it crossed about 350k views on youtube and then it became viral on whatsapp and uh, people started downloading it from youtube and then i i've gotten the same video like probably more than 10 15 times through multiple other groups and then people started cutting portions of that video and started making memes and it it went viral on twitter as well so what happened after and that was my first ever stand up comedy material and and when that went so viral and then it it became really really popular i was very scared to come up with my second material like whatever i came up with it felt like it was not as good as the first one uh, and and till date right whatever this particular show that i'm uh, touring with with my other friend like we've done 14 shows so far uh, and uh, outside of these shows i've done 
tons of open mics and private events with the same material. So I've probably performed the exact same material 50, 60 times now. And I still have doubts on whether it is as good as the first one because I haven't posted this online. So that fear is always there. And uh, every time uh, we sit to write something new, that I, I have that problem especially because uh, I'm, I'm never convinced that something is good and I'm always afraid to try new stuff uh, in open mics also. Uh, I, I think it is maybe because the first one was such a big hit and uh, that fear is there. Is it as good as the first one? Uh, yeah, there's so that I, pressure to perform, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. So, so, so when you're sitting down to write, do you purposely have this thing that you know hey my thought process is going in the same direction i have to purposely change it uh to another direction or do you just let it flow no so uh like different people write differently right like my friend anand he he doesn't write a single word on paper so for him he just has to keep talking to somebody and that's how he generates material but for me i will have to physically sit down with a screen in front of me with a with an empty screen and then i start typing anything and everything that comes to mind. So I, I don't limit myself. And usually my first draft of any material does not have any jokes. It, it is just basically whatever I want to talk about or whatever uh, comes to my mind about a particular topic. Uh, I just dump down every single detail that comes to mind. It doesn't have to be jokes. It doesn't have to have a flow. Uh, it's, it's just a dump of thoughts about that particular topic. And then I start refining it and try to find a story within that. Uh, because most of my content, I try and have a story to it, um, a story flow, so that it's also easier for me to remember and narrate it, right? Uh, and then probably by the fourth or fifth draft is when I start putting in a, a structure to it. <coughs> yeah, yeah, that makes sense. Hmm. Yeah. So... Um... Now, now coming back to stand-up comedy, you started in 2019 uh, and you live, uh, we both live in the Bay Area, which has a significant Indian population. So again, you know, stand-up comedy is at the end of the day, a business, right? Uh, but did you do any sort of market study before entering into uh, stand-up comedy? I mean, what I mean by that is, okay, uh, you know, if I can sell 100 tickets, I, I should be okay. Or if I can sell 250 tickets, I should be okay. Because, yeah, there are lots of Tamilians in the area, lots of Indians or South Indians in the area. Uh, but were you were you ever uh, worried about the, the market that Bay Area has to offer? So, um, again, since I was doing a lot of theater uh, before getting into stand-up comedy, I, I had a pretty big network of people that I knew from these various different groups that I was associated with. So I did not have a concern of if people will come and watch me, whether they will pay or not is secondary, but at least I knew that I probably had at least 50 or 100 people who would just come to support uh, if I was doing something like this. And, and also I didn't look too much into the business aspects of this to see if I'll make enough money to sustain this and all that because obviously this is not my full-time job I, I have another job a full-time engineer and then this was more for passion so I just wanted to write go and perform if I didn't make money uh, I, I was okay with that so uh, but I just wanted to keep doing this because it gave me a lot of satisfaction and happiness doing something like this but luckily, in the last four years, the, the club uh, that I'm part of has grown quite a bit. And our uh, friends and comedians have been getting gigs within the state and outside the state across the country to perform. So we've been making some money. Uh, obviously, it's not sufficient to sustain a livelihood here in California, but something on the side. Yeah, that's awesome. So uh, the journey towards uh, stand-up comedy was was not that typical, right? Because in India, if you want to grow as a stand-up comedian, you just go to an open mic, perform, uh, get some eyeballs, and then open for a show, and then so on and so forth. But here, you had uh, quite a few audience in, in, in theater, and you were able to bring that audience to, to your stand-up comedy. Awesome. So now let's get to your uh, comedy club, 
it's a it, it's a fantastic um, uh, platform, I would say, for uh, potential stand-up comedians, especially based based out of the Bay Area. Uh, tell me more about how that thought process. Uh, I know you touched briefly about your interaction with uh, Evam Karthik, uh, but did you did you ever anticipate any risk, or did you wanted to start it low key and then see it grow? How did that whole seed come into your mind? So, um, like I said, we we uh, when I when I met Karthik in twenty nineteen, and he suggested that why don't you start something on your own? Uh, I I was intrigued by what he said, but I wasn't sure if I was going to be able to do that. Uh, and then I I just put it on the back burner, and then a, a month later I was traveling to India, and then I went and performed uh, uh, in an open mic at Avum. Uh, so they gave me a four-minute slot, and then I was asked to perform, and then I performed, and then people loved it. It was good. The reception was great. So I came back, and when I came back to the U.S., I went and spoke to my friend Anand, who's also the co-founder of the club, uh, and said, hey, and he was going to India the following month. I said, why don't you also go and perform at Avon? So he went, he performed, and he was also very excited. Then once he came back, we said, we'll have to do something here, because that high we we were not able to get out of it and we really wanted to keep doing that and, and if you delayed it any further you would probably not have started it yeah and and there was no platform here in the us to do something like that and then we thought okay karthik said this why don't we try and start something we weren't sure like because running so building 18 comedy club the club that we have so myself and anant are the co-founders oh, before anything uh, why did you name it building 18 okay uh, that's because, uh, so Anant and I, we've been here writing in the Bay Area for the last 13, 14 years across all these theater groups and short films and all that. So what used to happen in those days, uh, 2007, 8, uh, all these theater groups, like we had huge productions, 20, 25 actors and all that, right? So getting together to rehearse is not possible in anybody's house, like with 25 people coming in for like half a day over the weekend for rehearsal. So what we used to do is we used to practice in Cisco. Uh, so Cisco allowed that. Cisco as a company encouraged all these nonprofit organizations and arts and theater and all that. So uh, we had a bunch of friends, part of the theater group who used to work at Cisco. So during the weekends, they would just badge us in and we'll all go into Cisco Building 18 on Tasman and uh, Cisco Way. Yeah, yeah, I've heard that Intel also does it. Uh, Intel, especially for dance, uh, they yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah. So we used to go and uh, just book a huge conference room that can fit in about hundred people, and then we used to rehearse there. And then after that, when we started writing together for other theater groups, we used to go to Cisco, sit there, and write because any creative writing at home is very difficult because there's a lot of distraction uh, from family, kids, and all that. So. Over the weekend, we'll just go to Cisco, uh, uh, get a conference room, use the whiteboard, and then just brainstorm script ideas and all that. So we've been doing a lot of creative work in that particular building 18 of Cisco. So And, and I did not work for Cisco ever, and my friend Anand was also not at Cisco. We just had friends working there. And since all our creative work for over about 13, 14 years happened in that particular building, we thought we'd just name it Building 18. Fantastic. Uh, that's a good good tribute to <laughs> to all those memories as well. Okay, yeah. so coming back to uh, coming back to uh, you and Anand uh, having yeah. performed in the in the opening uh, opening Evo. act, Evo. yeah, Evam Evam opening act. Uh, you guys come back and then talk about starting building eighteen. And then then we we said okay, let's start something, but we weren't sure if we'll be able to manage the logistics. Uh, and we wanted to register it as a company in the Bay Area. We didn't want to do it like a nonprofit or like uh, an informal thing. So in a couple of days, we went and found out uh, how to register it as a company. And now Building 18 is a registered company, LLC in the Bay Area. Uh, and then uh, we started off with five people, like myself, Anant, and three other friends. Is uh, That's we five of us. We started doing open mics every Friday. So we decided we'll perform every Friday uh, in, in front of an audience and open mics are free for everybody. Uh, people can just come in and watch us. And we had to find a place to do this open mic. Uh, 
we didn't want to do it in any of our homes or garages because we thought that would be informal and it's people won't take us seriously so we wanted a professional place to go do this so we said we'll rent a studio every friday for an hour so we started paying every friday out of our own pocket so that that was the investment initial investment we started paying out of pocket for a year and how uh, much was that approximately uh, i think the starting when we started out it was 35 dollars per hour every friday and then now uh, it's about 55 dollars every friday uh, so we started doing that <clears throat> and then so we started uh, every so one thing we decided at the uh, right at the start was no matter what we will do it every friday uh, that was i think a key decision that we made uh, there were a lot of friends who said hey do you think you'll get audience every friday maybe you should do first friday of every month or last friday of every month or second friday of every month but we were very clear we didn't want people to have the confusion hey is the open mic happening today is it the first friday is it the third friday right yeah it's that consistency that goes a long way yeah. right yeah so every friday 7:30 to 8:30 rain or shine covid no covid whatever it is every friday 7:30 to 8:30 building 18 open mic happens in the bay area uh, and and we've been doing it for four and a half years and we have not missed even a single Friday. Uh, that is awesome. Uh, so uh, so how did you how did you invite uh, people to uh, do the open mic registration? Yeah, form? yeah we, we just started a Facebook page and we started posting on it saying, hey, open mics happening, stand up comedy mics. It is free for you. You can just come and watch. And slowly over word of mouth is when we started getting more and more people. And until date, we have about at least 20, 25 people every open mic coming and watching us perform. Uh, and uh, like people go, it's we've grown mainly through word of mouth. Uh, so that's, that's how it's been. And then, uh, so that consistency, I think, has what, that is what has gotten us to where we are today uh, in, in terms of, so we started with five comics, like I said, and today we have more than 55 uh, performing comics uh, all over the country, not just in the Bay Area. So we also do Zoom open mic. So during the pandemic, we shifted from in-person to Zoom. And that's when we started getting people with stand-up comedy interest from like Seattle, New Jersey, Chicago, Michigan, Florida, um north carolina atlanta dallas right so and then once the pandemic lockdown was done and we moved back to in person we continued to do the zoom open mics just to keep in touch with all these comics across the country mm -hmm. uh, so we we have now a small network of stand up comedians across the us who are regularly participating in our shows opening for the comedians who come from india perform corporate shows across the country, perform private events across the country. So that small network that we've built over the last four, four and a half years, we are continuing to <clears throat> work with those folks and the, the, their journey continues uh, with Building 18. That's amazing. Uh, but uh, one thing that I wanted to ask was, uh, does Building 18 uh, help these 50 comedians uh, get shows as well? Yeah. So yes, definitely. Because open mics is a place where comics come and try out their material. And once they keep doing it repeatedly in open mics, and once the, the material kind of fine tunes and it's, it's, it gets to a point where you can actually ticket for that material, put them on shows, put them on private events or corporate shows. Yes, Building 18 will help people uh, get opportunities to go perform in corporate shows and private events and also ticketed shows where uh, Building 18 conducts regular uh, ticketed shows. And we also do a lot of opening acts for comedians who travel from India. And not these are not just Tamil comedians, like uh, Tamil, Hindi um, comedians as well. So uh, and, and we started primarily as a Tanglish comedy club. The tagline for Building 18 was America's first Tanglish comedy club. Uh, but today we have comics who perform regularly in Tamil, English, Hindi. Uh, we've had a couple of comics perform in Marathi as well. Uh, so yeah, we've we've grown quite a bit. Uh, so this fifty, uh, this list of fifty comedians spans a lang a different languages, yeah, right? Yeah. Including Marathi, Hindi, yeah, yeah. Uh, English, and Tamil. Okay. Um, so so what i what i wanted to ask was you know you you guys are running building 18 and there are 50 comedians 
and not all 50 comedians will be of a certain standard right like it's like a classroom uh, some may be better than the others uh, some may not be good enough to have a ticketed show so is there a judging mechanism or is there a mentorship mechanism wherein uh, you decide um, that someone is you know ready enough you know it's something like an arangetram right uh, yeah. is ready enough to 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 have a ticketed show and what is the basis i just want to get in it into your head on what the vetting mechanism is so so the, the beautiful thing about comedy is right like you said it's it's it is like a classroom but the thing is that in this classroom of comedy the same student is not the best student every friday so uh, right because there are good and bad days for everybody. Even, even the biggest names in comedy, they will have their bad days uh, while performing because um, it, it, there are a lot of factors that go into play. The same jokes that work on a particular Friday will not work the next Friday um, because it, it, there is like delivery, the modulation, the kind of audience, how you set it up, who goes before you, who comes after you. There are so many things that goes into this set, right? So um, there is no formal mentorship or uh, uh, a judging mechanism as such because just that it this this wouldn't scale and 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 uh, uh, the truth is nobody knows what works like nobody is in a position to go mentor others we are all uh, novice or beginners in stand up comedy we we don't have somebody who's proven or who has a netflix special here uh, at building 18 so nobody knows actually what works uh, there are people who come and rock the very first open mic that they perform in and there are people like I, I have bombed so many times in open mics right like people who've done shows many shows they bomb as well so uh, the the only judging criteria that we have is people who regularly come to open mics every Friday consistency in open mics is important like it's like net practice right people who attend their cricket nets regularly they get to probably perform in the match they they get picked for the team so that's that is one criteria that we look at consistency in attending open mics and say if somebody performs a particular material across four or five open mics the the, the audience reception is right there for everybody to see including the performer if if the material gets a great response for like three out of five times or even two out of five times then we know there is something in the material that works so that's that's how we we kind of pick and also typically when we do lineup shows with six or seven comedians in in a particular show there are a lot of factors like the the difference in the kind of material the modulation we don't want similar sounding people all seven to be similar sounding people right styles the style of content style of performance all of that so a lot of thing goes into play in how we pick uh, comedians for a particular show is there any restriction that everyone has to be clean or is it no, no, just no. something yeah no no so building 18 does not restrict anybody on their content so the the comedian the performer owns the content and they are completely responsible for whatever they are performing so building 18 does not restrict does not um, tell people what they have to do uh, it's it's all up to them Hmm. there are restrictions when you go for corporate events because corporates they have their set of restrictions so uh, then we go and look to see who has a clean material with no political jokes no religious jokes no racial jokes and things like that uh, but within building 18 in building 18 shows there are uh, no restrictions but but personally are you a proponent of uh, clean comedy I, i'm not a proponent i would say but i am a clean comedian like i i am not comfortable doing uh, uh, adult content on stage uh, so i i can only write clean material and i am only comfortable performing clean material but that doesn't mean i wouldn't enjoy other kinds but just personally i am on the cleaner side yeah yeah that's that's awesome uh, yeah and also mentoring uh, takes up a lot of time right like vetting yeah, 50 people scalable. It yeah, is yeah. absolutely not scalable. Um, so now coming back to uh, coming back to your own uh, comedy here in the US, um, you know, starting up is very difficult for everybody, right? Your first YouTube channel, your first podcast, you know, no matter what, uh, it's completely different if you're famous in some other field and uh, like you did for theater, bring that audience into stand-up comedy. But now touring out of Bay Area, um, 
how did you manage to get the kind of audience uh, that that you expected or that you wished in let's say east coast or boston or connecticut so a couple of things actually played a role in this one was uh, expanding the network of building 18 outside of bay area through our zoom open mics right so we have uh, uh like huge supporters of building 18 in seattle connecticut boston raleigh and all these places so we have people on the ground who can go spread the word about building 18 so that's one and and second thing is both mine and anand's video that we put out on youtube went uh viral to an extent and people had seen our videos so uh, it was a little easier for the local uh, building it in folks in each city to go tell their friends and family saying hey remember this guy on whatsapp this guy is coming to town to perform so th that's how we sold our first set of shows in each of these cities uh, using our local supporters and our videos on youtube and we also started doing reels on instagram myself and anand and those reels did started doing really well they like, have taken off like crazy i can tell you yeah, that <laughs> yeah so that is something that we did not anticipate we just did one for fun um uh, this happened uh, a year back when elay raja and ar rahman were coming to the bay area to perform in the same month two weeks apart so we both were sitting inside our car and thinking oh, why don't we do some kind of a promo video for this though we were nowhere connected to any of these shows uh, and then we thought okay you are ar rahman fan and i am ilai raja fan and we both are fighting with each other on who is the best so that that's how we did one and that really did well and it took off and then we started doing fan series like uh, uh, kohli fan versus a dhoni fan rajni fan versus a kamal fan and then coffee fan versus tea fan uh, right yeah Think the roti versus rice i, I personally enjoyed that <laughs> quite a bit <laughs> roti fan versus rice fan so we we've, we've done about 30 35 of those and those uh, videos really helped pull in people uh, in each city because people have seen us in those videos and and when we used that medium to tell hey we are coming to perform live in boston we we had people coming over so that's how we started uh, building our audience base across the country outside of bay area and actually it's it's very humbling and also super exciting to go perform for audience outside of your uh, city because uh, it's 100% unknown audience like you don't know them and they don't know you personally so the content has to be really good for them to appreciate uh, at home when you perform you have a whole bunch of friends and family watching the show so at some level they are always going to say hey it's good uh, just to encourage you right it doesn't have to be really good people are always going to just come up to you and say hey it was a good show uh, but outside when you go and when you are performing to complete strangers and when they applaud that is when you really know that your content works Yeah yeah I think uh, you were telling me about the high that you get when you get a standing ovation at the end and 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 what not right and it must have been the same kind of high when uh, when you see that people in other cities who are fans of what you do are really taking it up on themselves to you know spread the word that that hey I, these guys are coming to the city Uh, you guys should come join the show so that must have been that must have been a yeah, different yeah. kind of high oh yeah yeah we the, i i think we were just lucky because covid happened zoom open mics happened and we we were able to build this network and we have really good friends who are more like family now like when we travel for shows we don't have to worry about accommodation or food we just go to these folks we stay at their place and they, they're all more like family now than yeah and if they are out outside bay area they'll have huge homes <laughs> <laughs> yeah 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 and and the best part was we haven't even met a lot of these people in person we 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 are only connected through zoom and when the first time we go and stay at their place it's like we've always been in touch like we are childhood friends right that it never occurred that we are meeting for the first time so, yeah that's one thing with friendships right like you never know uh i mean it's not like you have to talk every single day and and all that like you just don't know how you click with someone else and it's quite uh, it's quite a miracle yeah there's no there's no standard recipe for that yeah yeah so now uh, coming back to uh, performing comedy in different cities uh, we spoke about this before as well uh, that the demographics is completely different right uh, mm -hmm. a bay area demographic is completely different from uh, 
east coast demographics uh, even within the tamil audience uh, yeah. like you were mentioning to me how the uh, the tamil population in the east coast even though majority of them might be from chennai uh, there is still quite a bit of uh, people who mo- moved in from madurai or tirunelveli yeah. however in bay area it's it's mostly chennai you know chennai engineering masters and and so on and so forth so uh have you had to tailor your script in such a way that um people from different demographics enjoy and have you had some really uh, bad experience when uh, the jokes did not land and they they just bombed yeah that happens all the time and and more than demographics it's also the kind like uh, uh, bay area for example right a lot of them are software engineers by default and they work for these big corporations or product companies and then you go to some city on the east coast or northeast right and most of them are part of cts tcs infosys wipro uh, and then they are on site they are working for consulting companies they are maybe project managers they are not engineers as such uh, people are in different roles um, and then we've performed once in houston and in florida and then the the audience base is mostly doctors so you go and tell them tech jokes it's not going to work uh, because like 70 80% of the crowd is all doctors uh, so yes it it does uh, have an impact on the kind of jokes that you deliver and write uh, but we we kind of do a small study on the audience base and the city before we go to and we do write some custom tailor made jokes for them uh so initially when you go perform say, say for example you go to a city where there are majority doctors you do like a 3 4 minute set on doctors and doctors in the us and how indian doctors operate here or something like that and then within that first 5 minutes you have them on your side and then you do your tech jokes and it will still work uh right so getting the audience on your side in the first few minutes is key um like for example the florida show right one they were all doctors and and the second most of them were like their kids were off to college or their kids are married and settled down in the us and they are like 55 60 65 year olds right and you cannot go and tell them uh jokes about you just got married 3 months back and things like that or you cannot tell jokes about your grad school or your batch because there's a complete generational gap there right so you will have to tailor some jokes to the audience and it happens all the time and that that's the more exciting part about traveling and performing in different cities for different audiences because if you are continuing to perform only in the bay area you are kind of tuned to the mindset of the kind of people that come and watch your shows so there is a comfort zone that you will eventually settle into and say you kind of figure out what kind of jokes to say and how to say it but when you constantly keep going to these other cities and performing for different kinds of people that's when it becomes challenging and you want to push yourself and explore other areas as well yeah it's it's a, it's amazing how many fa- facets of uh, comedy we have uh, these days you know you are uh, trying to break barriers and you know cater to different demographics and then there is this tech roast show, show. they are like okay we are only going to do tech uh and uh, and they are going to travel to india now um uh, that's that's amazing like every no what i'm trying to say is that every every niche has has an audience yeah. um and and to your point of that initial 10 15 seconds right i feel i feel it it's the same with everything you know the first 15 seconds of a youtube video be it thumbnail um and then the attention span just goes down but if you can catch the attention they can then you can probably retain the audience for uh, quite some more time um now coming back to building 18 and uh, handling uh, or taking care of the logistics of uh, comedians traveling from india uh, i want to know more about how these tours are operated uh, so let's say uh, karthik kumar is coming to perform in 18 different cities in the us um you know walk me through that process on on how you get to know that um, they are coming and 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 the process behind it okay 
so building 18 we have gotten into tour productions uh, just now uh, we we are producing our first show first tour for uh, praveen kumar uh, from chennai uh he's a leading comedian he has specials on amazon prime and he's 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 one of the early uh starters of stand up comedy uh, scene in chennai um so we've started producing his show now so one good thing about uh, building it in right now is since we were the first tanglish comedy club in the us um uh, we we are connected to the comedians in india quite closely at least the ones from the south uh, we we work very closely with a lot of those comics and then we we are connected with most of them there so uh, when when somebody is looking to tour the us they we, we get to know either we reach out or they reach out to us and then we are uh, we talk about how we can be part of their tours and things like that so when when we decided to produce praveen kumar's tour um, the the first thing that we'll have to do is to apply a performer visa for him or for any person that comes in right so they they come on a visa called p3 uh, which is uh, reserved for performing arts um, so building 18 in this case is the employer and praveen kumar so we are applying for a visa for praveen kumar uh, and then we'll have to put together a lot of data to show that he is a leading comedian and he does this full time uh, and then he is going to tour around the us and there is a market for his brand of comedy and and things like that so you'll have to give a lot of documentation to the USCIS to get the visa approved and once the visa comes through then we'll have to take care of his international flights domestic flights within the country his medical insurance travel insurance his stay accommodation food and everything and then you come up with uh, uh, an itinerary of how many cities can he go and perform in uh and obviously uh, people coming from india they can only perform here on friday saturday sunday only the weekends uh, weekdays people are not going to go and watch a stand up comedy show uh so then we'll have to chart out a itinerary that is economical in terms of flights and travel and all that uh, and we'll yeah let me pause you on that uh, p3 visa is the is that only for praveen or uh can p3 go for his team as well uh, if he's bringing someone like a i mean this probably doesn't apply to uh, stand up comedians but people bring their own makeup uh, men yeah that i'm not sure if, if yeah, there yeah. is a category for yeah i i have a i have an interesting story to tell so in the mid 1990s there were these um, you know tamil associations malayalam associations they used to have uh, orchestra you know it was a yeah, kind yeah, of yeah. orchestra and uh, there was an elai raja show or probably uh you know probably the the second tier singers you know singers who did play back but at the same time were not uh the top of the line so they used to visit us quite a lot and mm-hmm. back in those days a lot of people just wanted to move to the us so they would act as the violinist for that orchestra or a tabla player for that orchestra and then uh, go to the consulate and apparently only one person had to attend the interview so mm-hmm. the lead had to attend the interview and the oh. lead would be like hey these are the guys uh who i am bringing and uh, they will all get their visa stamped because it's a performance visa right they are not going to stay and this happened with the singer madhu balakrishnan so madhu balakrishnan had an orchestra uh, and it turned out that some of them were not even violin players they were not even tabla players and then us uh, not uscis but the embassy guys figured that out and then he was denied us visa and he has not been able to perform in the us for ever uh, oh. and apparently he has hired some lawyers to uh, get that sorted but uh, poor guy has lost so much uh, so many concerts and uh, lost out on so much so yeah it was a thing in the 90s and they would just come here and uh, you know dump their passport uh, work in a gas station and all of that but i mean i'm sure there is a better vetting mechanism now uh, but yeah so uh, after the visa uh, you were talking yeah, about then we we uh, identify cities based on um, like the audience the the kind of local marketing resources that we have in each city and because and then that we we come up with the budgeting of overall cost for the entire tour and then we have targets on how many cities should we perform in and how many tickets should we sell to break even to make a profit and things like that and uh, so that's how we started off with praveen's entire us tour and uh, he finished 
a couple of shows now and then we have more shows coming up in the next few weeks so yeah. that's awesome yeah so between uh, monday and friday they just chill or prep for the show yeah. they just chill go visit their friends family look around travel sightsee that's it yeah oh that's awesome yeah and um, uh, one more point that i wanted to cover was renting uh, of uh, of you know auditoriums or halls yeah, yeah. whatever uh, so building 18 takes care of that yes we 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 book the theaters in every city um, there is a insurance that needs to be there for the venue as well we take care of that uh, and then we take care of getting the comic to the local cities making sure he gets accommodated well his food and everything is taken care of. and then on the day of the show we arrange somebody to pick him up from the hotel take him to the venue the show is done uh, and and all of that then we record feedback from the audience post show we edit that immediately and post it online so that that helps push tickets in other cities and and things yeah so there's there's a lot of work involved that's amazing and and i'm glad you are able to do this because uh, you know usa is a huge market uh, for for comedians and and i'm glad the whole stand up comedy scene is picking up you know usa is where stand up comedy all started but um, i'm glad the ticket sales are booming and especially after the pandemic i think uh, yeah, yeah. it's been it's been such a welcome change with people traveling more and people being more open to going to shows and uh, watching performances and i don't think that can ever uh, go old right um, watching a live performance is completely yeah, different yeah. from a netflix special or an amazon special but but i think still uh, people at least uh, in in the indian south indian maybe tamil audience right they they are still not uh, open to come and watch a live performance uh, because if you see hindi comics right like comedians Uh, who perform in hindi who come from india they sell like easily 3000 2000 tickets per show here in the bay area but the same does not apply to a regional comic right uh, selling 500 tickets 400 tickets is a, is a huge deal for a regional comedian so uh, that has nothing to do with the number of tamilians but the a- attitude not the attitude but the perception of them towards uh, yeah that standard. that is also there the obviously uh, the hindi population is much bigger Uh, but i think people in general i think for any live art right people always ask for like hey why don't you send me a youtube video link and i'll watch it later uh, but it's watching on youtube is not the same as in watching it live uh, but uh, once they come to our shows and watch us then they realize that this has to be watched live and and they go tell about it to their friends and then because we've done this show for like four times in dallas and thrice in seattle and every time the folks who came to the previous show they go spread about the show and then they send their friends and family so that's how it work but typically people who've never watched a live comedy show their general mindset is hey i'll watch it on youtube later yeah Or, i think i think one way I, i just thought about this you know one way is to uh, upload youtube videos of crowd work <laughs> so that yeah, people yeah. are tempted to uh, see the crowd work and be like hey i want to be a part of this and then uh, yes. they may join yeah 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 yeah, yeah. Okay GK before we end I want to ask you about uh, how you got into Ashwin's uh, show uh, t- during the IPL of 2022 uh, tell me the, tell me the whole story Yeah um I think they were looking for somebody to represent fans of every franchise on their show and then they put out some kind of a contest or something and I, I also believe like Uh, ashwin's manager or uh, uh, the person in ashwin's team who takes care of all of this has also probably seen my insta profile or video and then we interact- that viral video maybe <laughs> that got yeah yeah and then we briefly interacted on insta and then he asked like hey do you want to come on this show and i said okay but initially it was just planned to be uh, one show uh, so i was there on the first show with ashwin uh, and after that ashwin put out a, a a poll on youtube asking which fan do you want to see again and then there was a csk fan which was me and then mumbai indians fan rcb fan so many others and then the people voted unanimously for me um, so i think that's why he called me and then i was there for the entire season i was there in every single video of ashwin's that season and then the following year also probably on a few videos so it, it was total fun 
uh, I was not sure how would the recordings go and how would it be to talk to Ashwin, but talking to Ashwin was just like talking to another friend. Uh, like he was so easy to talk to and work with. And he just gave me a lot of space to say whatever, I, because that was his show. People were watching it for Ashwin. And then I got uh, like about four or five minutes of uh, screen time on his show. And, and, and that really helped me also uh, because people started recognizing me, I, like my Insta following went up. And uh, because of that, that helped with my stand-up shows as well. And my other videos on YouTube and Insta also started getting traction. So um, like it, it helped me big time uh, being on Ashwin's show. Yeah, it's lovely how, you know, collaboration eventually makes both people grow. Uh, yeah. That's that's usually the case. Uh, did you prepare for... Uh... Did you prepare for those? Uh... Yeah, so, yes. Uh, uh, but the thing was, most of the recordings, I wouldn't know what time the recording would happen because it all heavily dependent on was dependent on Ashwin's availability uh, through his net practice and meetings and other things. So sometimes I would always hold my cell phone in my hand and sleep. Uh, I wouldn't, because my phone will be on silent. Sounds my, like on call. Yeah, because my daughter and wife were also in the same room sleeping. So I will hold the phone and then it will vibrate at like 2.30 or 2.45 in the morning. And then I'll suddenly wake up, wash my face and then get ready for the show. Put on the CSK shirt as well. <laughs> yeah. yeah. So I, in terms of preparation, yes, uh, I would come up with some basic jokes. I also have a bunch of friends here. So I'll brainstorm with them before the show, uh, get some ideas, get some jokes on what to talk, how to talk and all that. And then... After that, it was just on the flow because it all also depends on the kind of questions Ashwin will ask. Like you can have whatever you want prepared, but if that kind of an opportunity does not come, you cannot use those jokes. So a lot of uh, episodes I went in with maybe more jokes, but I didn't have an opportunity to say them. And, and a lot of them are also on the spot because you cannot anticipate what Ashwin is going to ask you or tell you. And then the kind of counter that you give back to whatever he says has to be on the spot. Those cannot be prepared. Yeah, uh, so I, yeah say... I mean, one thing I noticed was uh, you're very good with play of words and, you know, referencing. Uh, is that something that you that you get impromptu or uh, I'm just amazed at? Yeah, wordplay is something that I'm, I'm used to. I do that quite a bit even in my stand-up. And then Tamil cinema references and other references, I think, that's because I watch a lot of movies as well. And it just, yeah, I don't know, naturally comes through maybe. Yeah, yeah, yeah. That makes sense. Um, so uh, I see you follow cricket quite a bit. Uh, what are your uh, predictions for the World Cup? I'm, I obviously want India to win, but I'm not too confident uh, because uh, I, I, I'm not sure if we are, because England, Australia... And to an extent, South Africa, they're all in really good, even Sri Lanka for that matter, except for that last match in the Asia Cup, they, they have a pretty good side. So I'm not sure if it is going to be tough for India to win this, but yeah, hope, hopefully we win. Yeah. Uh, what do you think is the biggest difference between the 2011? I mean, keeping Dhoni aside, of course, that's a different... <laughs> not just Dhoni, right? Uh, we had a lot of others as well. A lot of match winners in the team. Uh, now, also, we on paper, at least, we seem to have a lot of match winners in 23 now. But the the, the performance has been very inconsistent. Um, like Surya Kumar Yadav, for example, he's, he's very good. Uh, but again, in one day, his performance has been pretty inconsistent. Same with Rohit Sharma and uh, Bumrah is back after a very long injury uh, gap. So we have a lot of match winners on paper, but are they consistent enough to just uh, bulldoze through the other teams in the World Cup? Not too sure. Yeah. Yeah, I feel like in 2011, there were a lot of batsmen who could bowl uh, and that came in handy and Dhoni was a master of uh, spin, captaining spin. So I think mm -hmm. that helped a lot. Uh, and and I feel like in, with this Indian team, so many players have played in the last two, three years that there is no sample space of who is good and who is consistent yeah. and who is consistent across formats, across, you know, uh, different match conditions and whatnot. Right. So I think that's also a problem. Uh, I mean, as long as we don't face New Zealand, I think it should be okay. <laughs> <laughs> but, uh, but GK, thank you so much for your time. It was lovely talking to you and I wish you and Building 18 all the very best. 
I think what you started was uh, probably one of the first things anyone has done in uh, in in America, and uh, I wish you all the very best uh, with building. Well, thanks, thanks a lot, Bala. It was a lot of fun talking to you because I don't get to talk about all this on a regular basis, right? So it was also a good trip down memory lane for me, and I'm super excited to see this podcast come out and also all the very best. I I love the way how you reach out to people from different walks of life and across all your podcasts right like you've been talking to so many people from varied background i'm i'm jealous how do you even find these people and convince them to come on your podcast yeah i think the credit has to go uh, has to go to them because they were just uh, uh, humble enough to give me one hour or one and a half hours of their time so and i think with with me uh, getting an opening with uh, krish ashok initially was uh, was a big deal and i was able to sort of leverage that uh, and people did check out that episode quite a bit so uh, they were happy to come on my show and again that applies only to indian uh, guests but um, you know guests in america were also very 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 you know down to earth humble and it's it's amazing how many people uh, agreed and also showed up on time and all of that so yeah, yeah i don't know i'm just uh, hoping that this continues and um, i hope to get better as a host as well yeah i'm i'm very new to this whole podcast zone because for a long time i've always thought podcast is generally not interesting who will sit and listen to something that's so long but i'm i'm off late addicted to podcasts and and some of yours have been super interesting so looking forward to see more unique varied guests on your show and uh, yeah super excited for that and thank you for having me uh, it was fun chatting with you awesome awesome thank you so much gk see you thanks